You are listening to the East Point Church Sermon Podcast. We're a church that exists to glorify God as a gospel community that is growing in faith and reaching the world. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged and challenged by today's sermon. He is risen indeed. Good morning, church. My name is Sam. I have the privilege of serving as the lead pastor here. And why don't you go ahead and open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. If you're using one of the blue and white Bibles that we provided in the back, uh, you are on page 884. And I'll tell you what, if you don't have a Bible, that's our gift to you. Keep that, take it, read it, it'll change your life, and you come back next week. Come back in two weeks, we'll open up to a different page, going through the book of Mark, and uh, we are just so excited to be with you guys this morning. And so as we get ready, as we get ready for this celebration, I'm curious, what is the craziest thing you've ever heard? What is the craziest thing you've ever heard? Some of you guys are like, man, I'd have to think about that. Give me six days, I'll come back next week prepared. That's okay. Some of you are like, boom, immediately. You know where you're going, right? That's me. You ask me, what is the craziest thing you've ever heard? And without even missing a beat, I know where I was when I heard this news. I know where I was. I know what I was doing. I can still picture the people's faces as they were laughing, seeing my face in reaction to this news. Can I tell you the craziest thing I've ever heard? I remember, years ago now, I remember hearing that a man named Elon Musk... You ever heard of him? I saw you drive your Tesla into the parking lot. I know, all right? There was a man named Elon Musk, and he had made it his mission to go to Mars. His mission was to make life multi-planetary. And I'm sitting there going, huh, okay, that's cool. We're going to send some rockets to Mars. He goes, no. His mission, he is recruiting teenagers to train them and develop them into astronauts and to send them on a one-way trip to Mars, to terraform the planet, and to propagate the human species on Mars. What? (laughs) Right? Teenagers! Like, hey, how many of you guys want to get out of school today? I do! How many of you want to go on an adventure? I do! How many of you want to go to Mars? One-way ticket. What? (laughs) I just remember, I was shocked, right? And like, my jaw literally dropped. I was like, what? Like, my eyes got wide, and I was laughing. I was just, I was cracking up, not because it was funny, not because I liked the idea of the Hunger Games on Mars. I I just, the pure audaciousness of that idea rocked my socks off. What is the craziest thing you have ever heard? You see, this morning for Easter Sunday, I'm going to share a story with you. And as I get into this story, we are going to see a group of people huddled in ancient Jerusalem. A group of people huddled in ancient Jerusalem, and they are about to have one of these jaw-dropping, eyes-wide, mind-blowing pieces of news come their way. They are about to hear the craziest thing they have ever heard. And so we go back into our story, and we learn that it was a very long weekend. Not the good kind of long weekend, okay? Not the one you wish for and you pretend you were sick on Friday. No, no, this was a long weekend where they just saw the man that they had followed for three years. They just saw him betrayed. They just saw him get beat up, dragged into a kangaroo court, sentenced to death on a Roman cross, and then buried in a tomb. And they're stunned. That was all on Friday. And they're stunned. The entire city feels shell-shocked. It all just happened so fast. 
What's going on? And so Saturday comes and goes. And now it's early Sunday morning. It's on the third day. And they are about to be told the craziest thing they've ever heard. They are about to be told that that same man that they saw beat up and sentenced to death, that he wasn't in the tomb anymore. The tomb is empty. He is gone. Jesus is alive because he has risen. The craziest thing they've ever heard. And for the next few moments, I want to share this story with you, and I want you to notice their reactions. I want you to put yourself in their shoes. How would you have reacted then at this crazy news? And then as the story unfolds, I I want you to wonder, how do you react now? 2,000 years later, how are you reacting to the same news? What is your reaction to this crazy story? What are you going to do, my friend, about the craziest thing that you've ever heard? We're about to find out what they do. And so turn with me, beginning in verse 1 of the 24th chapter. Here's our story this morning, and it begins like thus. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Let's pause the story right there. This is a story in four parts. And the first part, we see that while seeking the dead, they found the living. While seeking the dead, they found the living. And so our story begins. This group of ladies, they have spent all day Saturday preparing spices, preparing ointments to go and treat the body of Jesus. And so they wake up early Sunday morning at dawn, and they head to the tomb. And when they get there, they are shocked. Someone has disturbed the burial site. The huge stone that was sealing the tomb, someone has rolled it away. And when they look inside, the tomb is empty. The very body that they came to treat and to honor with these spices, it says it here, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And so you can just imagine what's going through their head. Their hearts are racing, their minds are racing. What happened? They are perplexed. And if that wasn't crazy enough, right, if that was not a shock enough, suddenly it says here that two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. Look at you guys with your dazzling apparel this morning. But you had nothing on these angelic messengers, okay? If you're into fashion, maybe you're looking for like a name for a clothing line, may I, might I suggest dazzling apparel? It's up for the taking. Two men show up in dazzling apparel. These are angels. And all throughout the story of Jesus, we see these angelic messengers featured a lot, right? The birth of Jesus, they sustain him. And now here they are again, and they confront these two ladies. And the ladies react. It says, they bowed their faces to the ground. Oh my goodness. Can you imagine? What must it be like to be in the presence of the shining, radiant glory of God? What must it be like to be in his presence if the secondhand glory of his messengers are enough to cause you to fall on your face? Right? You know when you, like, when you like, uh, talk to somebody and you go, you've been at Starbucks. I can smell it on you. 
You know what I'm saying? Like you have your sweater in the laundry and you go, I can tell where you've been. You can tell where these angels have been. They have been in the glory of God. And just the secondhand glory, the secondhand radiance is enough to cause these ladies to fall on their faces. And as they're falling on their faces, as they're bowed down, the angels ask a powerful question. They say, ladies, why do you seek the living among the dead? In other words, the one that you are looking for, he's alive. You came here this morning expecting something dead, but he has risen. You came expecting to find a lifeless body, but you are confronted with the reality of a living Savior. He is not here, but has risen. Ladies, what did you expect? What did you expect to find? What did you expect to find? I imagine people all over the world right now, they are gathering in church buildings or YMCAs. They're gathering in church community and church families. And I can just imagine them as they come together on Easter Sunday. I can imagine us having angels posted at the door. I love our greeting team. They're beautiful people, right? They've greeted us warmly today, but imagine angels. Imagine angels sitting there, and as you come through the doors for Easter Sunday, they look to you and they go, what did you expect to find? What do you expect to find this morning on Easter Sunday? I wonder how many people, I wonder how many of us, we're like the women in the story. We've come and we've expected to find lifeless traditions. We've come expecting to see dead religion. How many of us are going through the motions of church attendance and we're just passing our time with empty rituals? And on Easter Sunday, we're confronted with the powerful question in our story. Why are you seeking the living among the dead? Why have you come expecting dead religion? Because all that you're going to find here is a living Savior. You've come expecting something lifeless, but we are confronted with the startling message of a king who laid down his life for you and for me, and then who rose in power, who defeated death, and then calls to you and to me so that he can make the dead parts of our lives alive. What did you expect today? What did you expect on Easter Sunday? If you've come here this morning expecting something dead, friends, I have good news. We're celebrating a living Savior. We are celebrating a living Savior. And so these angels, they speak to the ladies, and they're surprised. The ladies are shocked by what's happening, right? They're on their faces shocked, but they shouldn't have been. They should not have been surprised, because look what the angels remind them of. They say, Remember how he told you, while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, and be crucified, and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna, and Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them, who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. Second part of our story, we see they remembered the plan that Jesus revealed. They remembered the plan 
that Jesus reveals. Friends, Jesus dying and rising from the dead, these were not detours. These were not wrinkles in a perfect plan. The angel says to them, ladies, don't you remember? Don't you remember how he told you? Jesus predicted his death and resurrection numerous times. This is exactly what he was talking about. He knew he would be turned over to the authorities. He knew he would be killed. He knew he would be buried. And he knew he would rise again. This was the plan. This plan was necessary. Jesus didn't simply predict it. He says, no, these things must be. This is the way it has to go. Because God's plan all along, before the foundations of the world, were to save the very people who put him to death. Sinful men. Do you see the irony? Do you see how beautiful and how rich this statement is? He had to die. He had to be betrayed by sinful men. Because that's the exact people he came for. He came to lay down his life as a substitute for those people. God would come to save humanity, taking the penalty that they deserved, and then he would conquer death once and for all by rising from the dead so that everyone who follows him would experience eternal life. This is the plan. And they remembered the plan that Jesus revealed. It says here, you can see the light bulbs going off. It says, they remembered his words. Oh yeah. And now they're off. And they run back to the house, right? And they run back to the apostles and the disciples, and they run into the room. And you can just imagine all of these guys sitting around the breakfast table. And their spoon is just hanging in their, in their oatmeal, right? And they're sipping their coffee, and there's just despair in the air. And they're mourning, and they're stunned, and they just, they don't even know which way is up right now. And the ladies, poof, and they bust into the door, and they're, they're out of breath, and they're breathless. And they go, guys, we were at the tomb. We saw angels, and, and it was empty, and Jesus is alive. He's somewhere, I don't know where, but he's alive. Can you imagine the reactions in the room? Can you imagine the one dude in the corner who just puts his head in his hands, and he goes, oh, grief is an ugly thing. Can you imagine the guy who comes over and tries to put his arm around, ladies, 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 why don't we get some sleep here, okay? Let's just get some sleep and we'll feel better in the morning. Imagine the guys who are rolling their eyes. Oh, man, this is just, she's a crazy lady, right? It's Mary doing Mary with another idle tale, right? Oh, somebody shut her up. It's hard enough without this nonsense, okay? Whatever their reaction was, whatever the explanations, however they rationalized these ladies' tale, it says it very clearly in our story, they did not believe them. They didn't believe them. They rolled their eyes and continued their breakfast. Except for one dude. There was one guy sitting there, and his name was Peter. And look what he did. It says here that he rose and ran. He rose and and he ran. You know, Peter, he, know, he said, I need to see for myself. I need to come to my own conclusions. This is too important. There is too much hanging in the balance. If what they're saying is even remotely true, then this changes everything. I can't just follow the crowd. 
Everyone else may be rolling their eyes. I need to see with my own two eyes. What are they talking about? And so he gets up, he rose, and he ran. And as a result, he got to see what nobody else in that room saw. He got to see the empty tomb. He got to see the burial cloths lying there and discarded. He got to see things that sent him home marveling, wondering in his heart, what is going on? Two very different reactions, right? And I have friends that fall into both of these camps. I know people, I got my boys, who when they hear this story about a resurrected Savior, they respond just like the room. They think of a thousand ways to explain it away. They think, yeah, okay, that's good for you, but really, I don't believe it. They roll their eyes and they simply conclude, Sam, that's an idle tale. But I also have friends who are like Peter. I know people who, like Peter, say, I need to explore this for myself. I know people who have said in their heart, hey, I'm not, I'm not going to go follow the crowd. I need to go and see. Everyone else may be rolling their eyes. I need to see with my own two eyes. I need to see what I find. Two very different reactions here, and we have both of them in our story. And so I wonder, what's your reaction? What's your reaction? Are you like the people in the room? Do the claims of a risen Savior cause you to roll your eyes? Do you chalk this whole thing up to idle tales? Do you think that Christianity is simply the coping mechanism for a fragile people who are not able to withstand the suffering of this world? Just an idle tale. Are you like Peter? Are you like the guy who says, you know what? I'm not going to follow the crowd. I need to see for myself. I need to get close enough to this Jesus guy. I need to explore this with my own two eyes and see what is this about. I need to explore the claims because if this is true, this changes everything. There's too much hanging in the balance. What's your reaction? And we see both of them in our story this morning. And so as we skip ahead to later that day, it's now dinner time on Sunday, they're making an awesome fish dinner. They got the grain and the hummus and the br- everything is just bam, it's dinner time. And we see in our story that all the speculation, all the theorizing and hypothesizing, all of that is put to an end in one decisive moment because Jesus himself shows up to dinner. Look what we see here, next part. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them. And said to them, peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it before them. Third part of our story, we see this is a physical resurrection, not a spiritual illusion. Jesus appears in their midst, but guys, they just saw him beat up. Just two days ago, they saw him nailed to a cross. They saw him taken off of that cross, put into a tomb, and had it sealed over. And yet he's here. And so their, their mind is racing. 
they're, they're trying to understand what, how can we make sense of this thing. This is so other. This is so unlike anything that we've ever experienced that, that they're just struggling to make sense of it. And then they go, wait a minute, I know what this is. I, I get what's happening here. We are seeing a spirit. That's the only explanation. All right, this is a spirit. This is an apparition. This is the, the soul of Jesus come to visit us. This is an illusion. Look how far Jesus goes to emphasize the point. This is a literal, physical, bodily resurrection. Look what he says. Look how far he goes. He says, look at my hands and my feet. Look at my hands and my feet. Can a spirit do this? Can a spirit wiggle his toes? He goes, look at my scars. You'll recognize me by the scars that I just had from Friday where they pierced my hands and my feet. He says, look, touch me. Give me a hug. Bring it in. See. He goes, does a spirit have flesh and bones? This is literal. I'm here, guys. And then, and then he gives perhaps the best line in the entire scriptures. Like literally one of the best lines in the whole Bible. He says exactly what you would expect a resurrected supernatural savior to say upon appearing to his disciples. You got any food? Hey, what's in the fridge? Is Jesus hungry? No, he's showing them, I have a body. This is literal, physical resurrection. And so they are dumbfounded. And they're sitting here going, uh, yeah. And they give him some of that tilapia that's sitting on the stove. And as they sit here, hearing Jesus chew, as they see Jesus pick fish bones out of his teeth, as they see the milk caught in his beard, they are confronted with the inescapable reality. This is not a figment of their imagination. Jesus, this is a physical resurrection, not a spiritual illusion. Friends, I'm here to tell you this morning that at East Point, we believe that the resurrection is not a metaphor. This is not a spiritual resurrection in our hearts that we all experience when we're enlightened. Yeah. This is not about the movement of Jesus was resurrected. And even after he died, his followers kept the idea of Jesus alive. Just like we keep the idea of Martin Luther King Jr. and Gandhi and Mother Teresa. Just keep the movement alive. No. This is not spiritual resurrection. This is a literal, physical, bodily, flesh and blood, give me some fish to eat kind of resurrection. Literally rose from the dead. And here's why that's good news. Because as he sits there eating his fish at the table, we know he is who he said he is. He is who he said he is. He said that he has power over death. And, we, and everybody was like, yeah, we'll see about that. And now as he sits at the table, they have proof. He has power over death. And so we can believe that what he said was true, friends. You this morning, for all of us who follow Jesus, we will also be literally resurrected. For us in Christ, death is not the end. We will be given resurrected bodies like his. Death could not keep him down. And so all of us who are in Christ, we will conquer death. 2 Corinthians 4, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with you into his presence. Death is not the end. And they are sitting with the living proof, sharing some fish. 
Now, if I was invited to this fish dinner, I would have a million questions to ask Jesus, right? Like, number one on my list would be, Jesus, uh, what? Number two would be, excuse me, sir, uh, what is happening? Followed by number three, uh, why did you do this to us? Why did we just experience the longest weekend ever? Like, friends, you got to understand, they're hurting. Not simply because they saw their friend murdered, but because they are now believing that what they have just given their life to for the last three years was wrong. The man that they just put all of their eggs in his basket was just murdered. And so not only is the emotional pain of death hitting them, but it's this existential crisis of, it was, it was all a lie. It was all a lie. And so here he comes and he says, no, it was all true. And they're sitting here going, why? Why did you put us through that? Why the death and resurrection? Why was this the plan? And in our final verses here, Jesus answers it. Look what he says. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Why, Jesus? Why did you do this? Why did we have to have this long weekend? Well, Jesus' answer is very simple. Number four, he says, this was a rescue mission long in the making. This was a rescue mission long in the making. You see, before the foundation of the world, God had, de- had planned the salvation of humanity. From the beginning, he planned to save humanity, and he revealed it early and often in the holy pages of Scripture. And Jesus shows up here. He arrives, and he says, all of that All of the three sections of the Old Testament, all of the law, the prophets, and the Psalms, all of that must be fulfilled. Because this was a rescue mission, and I'm here. The moment is now. Where does it say that? Where does it say that Jesus would come, die, and rise from the dead? Where does it say that? Well, it says that he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. I think of the Matrix. You know when, like, they wanted to know something in the Matrix, they, like, plugged the cord into the back of their head, and they were like, I know Kung Fu. You know what I mean? It's just like, boom, instant download, right? Like, I think of that when it's like they understand the scriptures, where it's like, boom, I just get it. But I think really what's happening here is he opened their minds by opening the Bible. He pointed, he went to Deuteronomy, and he goes, there's Deuteronomy. And then he turned to Isaiah, and then he turned to the Psalms, and he goes, see that? That's me. See there? That's what I'm talking about. See here? This is pointing to my my rescue mission. You see here? And he opens their minds to understand that all of the Bible is one big story culminating in the climax of Jesus coming on this rescue mission. The plan all along was that he would be born to die and then rise again to save us. The plan all along was that he would die in your place and that he would rise from the dead, proving his power over death proving that he was able to do what he said he would do. And then that plan would explode. That plan would boom all over the globe as it was proclaimed in his name to all nations. He says, tell the world. 
those who see the sun must tell the world. And so he sends them with his message. He clothes them with his power. They are witnesses. They're not just recipients. He says, you have this message. Go. I'm going to give you my power. Go and call to people like you and me in Easton, Maryland. Call to people who are fallen. Call to people who are estranged from God because of our own sin and pride and brokenness. And he says, go and tell them this. Tell them that I have come to bring them back into relationship with the Father. Tell them that I have come and I have made a way. Tell them that I have come and I have laid down my life in death and I picked it back up in power. Tell them that they can come to me and be forgiven because I am full of grace and mercy. Tell them that they can have life because I finished it. And now, because that message has reached us, we know that we have life because he lives. We have life because he lives. All who come to Jesus, friend, all who dare to believe that he is who he said he is, that he is the one who is able to do what he said he would set out to do, for all who dare to believe, he greets us with the grace that he promised. For all who dare to believe, and in the Bible we just use the word faith, all who have faith that Jesus is who he said he is, God responds, he reacts to that faith, and he washes us clean, and he gives us new hearts, and he brings us into his family as adopted and beloved children, and it's called eternal life. Because once we were dead, but now we are alive. We are in relationship with the Father because he did it. Friends, we have life because he lives. And everywhere that this message is proclaimed, it works. Everywhere that this message is proclaimed, in the east and in the west, it is transforming lives. It is landing among all people groups, in all nations, among all ethnicities. All who turn and put their faith in Jesus are experiencing the same thing. They are met with grace and forgiveness. They experience relationship with God, and they have eternal life, and they come to the realization, we have life because he lives. Do you have life? Do you dare to believe that Jesus is who he said he is? We have 15 people this morning who have dared to believe that he is who he said he is. 15 people this morning who have heard this message and they have made a decisive shift. They have pivoted in their life and they say, I believe, I have faith, and I want to live for Jesus. And they're going to go public with that faith this morning through water baptism. 15 people, friends, do you believe? Do you dare to believe? If so, let us know. There's little cards in your program. You can text us at our phone number, grab somebody in the lobby, but whatever it is, friends, this changes everything. Do you dare to believe? And so for the next few moments, turn your attention to the screen, the screen and listen to the story of those who have dared to believe. We want to thank you again for joining us for this week's sermon podcast. My name is Daniel, and I'm the music and creative pastor here at East Point Church. And if you were challenged, encouraged, or impacted in any way by this week's sermon, we would love to hear about it. It's your stories that encourage us and what we do, and we just want to celebrate what God is doing in your life. So you can go ahead and share with us at podcast at epeaston.com. 
Also, make sure that you subscribe to our channel to stay up to date with the latest sermons. Have a great week.